It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Kempe for breakfast on fire. That's right. The studio's on fire in Auckland, Tamaki Makoto, and it's starting to heat up down here as well. Ooh, mate, good I, thought your studio, you. I thought your studio was on fire. <laughs> the amount of red I can see in it. Man, it's just flags everywhere. Are, you, are they making more flags and dropping off daily deliveries? What's going on? <laughs> no, 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 look. It's, uh, it's just all part and parcel of finals footy. Yeah, Rick Dog, you probably wouldn't understand with uh, <laughs> the, the, the times you've been going through. But this is the norm down here in Christchurch. Oh, no, I, no, no, no. Right, <laughs> I see. I see. And they'll be up for another week. No, I'm not going to get too cocky, too comfortable. But no, yep, it's uh, it's all up and about. I'm supporting the team, and and uh, hopefully um, they can do well. Obviously, big news coming out that uh, Ethan Blackhead is gone. But I'll tell you a bit of positive news. Mm-hmm. Well, Sammy Whitelock was jogging around. Was he? When I went into training yesterday. So not 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 getting out of first gear, but does he really get out of first gear? No, probably not. So you know, good positive signs there. Obviously not a part of this week, but um, going forward, you know, it's no surprises. Sammy Whitelock can get through uh, what he's what he's got through with his Achilles and and the struggles with his legs. But um, yeah, Ethan Black had a big loss, obviously out for the season. It'd be a couple of weeks. He's got a strain quad, and I'm hearing it was quite bad. The poor bugger. Can't get any luck, Rick Dog. It's um, you, you tend to feel for him. Yeah, yeah, you do. I mean, like he couldn't come at a better time for the Blues, but you know, it's it's mm. one of those that you're like, because he's a guy I really rate in terms of you know thinking yeah. about All Black rugby um, and, and mm. stuff. I'm like, oh, you know, this guy could be the future for a long time. Mm. He can cover six. He can play seven. He's done that. You know, um, he could probably play eight at a pinch as well. Big body hits hard, runs hard. And you just want him to get a run of games, but he just hasn't been able to do it. 
Yeah, it's it's just like unlucky. Like, like he trained all week, didn't feel anything, trained extremely hard, got his opportunities, went out there, made a hell of a run, and then uh, his body falls apart. So, yeah, it's, it's not ideal when you're heading into a World Cup year, but I've said to David, I've said to Ethan, look, I tore my quad off my hip in 2011, three months out from the World Cup. I kicked the ball, snapped my quad, and my quad was down by my knee. And I said, look, things happen for a reason. You've got six to eight weeks here to hiss, to go and rehab, go and get extreme fit, work on the things that you weren't able to when you were playing. You know, get your body, your mind, your mind's so important in this time. Get it right. And then, um, you know, like obviously you don't want to give other people opportunities, but knowing the class that they have to offer boys, that, um, you know, time, time's a healer. And hopefully they can um, do everything well and get back to playing some rugby. There's still a lot of time left, uh, Rick Dog. I think that's the key here. It is. It is. I, I mean, the other one that you brought up earlier was you saw Sammy Whitelock running around, and apparently mm. the tear that he had was was close to the Achilles, right? And you don't want that to go. Mm. Um, so but you put yourself in his shoes, Izzy. I, I guess, given it's a World Cup year, how hard are you mm. pushing to play in the Super Rugby final, knowing that it's going to be your farewell to the black jersey, and you know, in France? Knowing Sam, knowing Sam, <laughs> the competitor he is, um, if he's available and the, and the Crusaders are able to make that final, he will play. No doubt about it, he will play. And that's just the man he is. Um, like, I was surprised to see him actually jogging around and, and getting up and doing some line-outs and, and looking good. And I was like, wow, it's it's obviously bad, but... That is just the mental toughness of the bloke. And I guess you're in a position like himself where, you know, you're, you're key in the line out. You're obviously explosive to an extent. Um, but the reality is you're a different athlete. So you could probably manage it more than being an outside back where you've got a sprint off the mark over 20-odd times in a game. So you could probably manage it. Um, but knowing Sam, uh, Ricardo, if he's available next week and the Crusaders get through, I wouldn't put it past them being out there and being available. What I'm, what I'm feeling about this chat is that, you know, the best thing for New Zealand rugby is if uh, the Blues win this weekend, then that's what I'm feeling about it. I think that's the best thing for Ian Foster. <laughs> <laughs> Ian Foster's hoping that they probably uh, miss, miss the final and um, Sammy Watlock can get a couple more weeks under his belt to rehab and get that going right. But, um, mate, there's been plenty of chat, Rick Dog. 0800 150 811 is our phone lines if you want to have a call throughout the morning. Double eight double three on the Temper Bedpost text machine. We've got, uh, we've got Ricky Riccatelli coming up after 7 o'clock. We've got Tamaiti Williams. Um, talking Crusaders Blues after eight. And we've got Bob Herrig coming on to talk some golf because you remember the US Open starts shortly. And uh, it's at LA Country Club over there in, uh, in Los Angeles. And, uh, mate, it's going to be a hell of an event. So we're going to talk to Bob Herrig about that. But there's been plenty of debate on last, ra- last night, Ricardo. Paddy Gow has issues. It's a great watch. If you watched um, Paddy Gow, he's a great journalist. He um, delves into the biggest issues around the country. And one of the big issues at the moment is rugby. We've been talking about it for weeks. And it's quite good that uh, Tony Kemp is away because what Tony Kemp said a while back actually came into the picture last night. If you remember a while ago, Kempy threw out the chat that potentially New Zealand rugby players, the eligibility of going offshore and helping the Australians to have sustainability in a strengthened competition over in Australia came up. And Mark Robinson 
had a few words to say. Let's play that, uh, Kez. Let's talk about the Super Rugby Commission. Mm. What's holding it up? Well, there's some work, as we said, we're in a JV partnership with our friends from Australia and, and they've had, you know, some, some things to work through in their own space around getting to... The How friendly are they? No, look, we have a really great relationship. It's a unique relationship at times. So there seems to be a really good acceptance which we've got to get on as it relates to the Commission and get it stood up quickly. Um, I'll be direct about this. <clears throat> I've spoken to a few of your stakeholders and they cannot stop talking about Hamish McLennan. But this man is holding up the process and he's strangling Super Rugby out of self-interest. What would you say about that? I've got no doubt there's some frustrated you know, stakeholders around the game. I know that I'm hearing it directly, obviously, and, and I'm frustrated myself at times. Why are you being so patient with him? Well, we, need, we, we believe we need this competition to be a great competition. Do you need and Australia? At this time, we think we do, yeah. Hamish McLennan. Rick Dog. It's a name that has been thrown out plenty over the last couple of years. He's come in, he's shook up Rugby Australia. But stakeholders and shareholders and people are getting frustrated with Hamish McLennan. Is he a big problem here with Rugby Australia? Is he holding back this competition, this product, which is having a flow-on effect for rugby in general, particularly here in our own backyard? That's the question, and you have to look at it and think, well, what's going on in Australian rugby? And it's like everybody's moving on, all right? And Marinos mm. is moving on. Mm. Eddie Jones has even said, he signed a five-year deal not long ago, and he said, I'm done out of the World Cup. Now, is that Eddie Jones just talking, or is that Eddie Jones expressing frustration with people he's got to work with, you know? Um, that, I think that now brings a question mark into that. So, interesting, interesting. I mean, the, 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 the situation that Mark Robinson is in is, you know, and Andrew Gordy, basically put him on the spot there. I mean, if he slags Hamish McLennan off, that's a no-win for him. I mean, he might think no. that. He might think Hamish McLennan's an absolute dropkick and hates having mm. to deal with him. <laughs> but the fact is, yeah. that's who he's got to deal with. He's the other half of the partnership, and um, racking him up is not going to do anybody any favours. No, racking him up ain't going to do any favours, but uh, the red flags are there. When you see Eddie Jones coming in, Andy Marinos leaving, mm. and then you got Phil Wall coming into the CEO role at the moment, like it's it, it's it, it, it screams um, conflict. Mm. You know, there's there's uns, there's unsettledness over in Australia, and it's it's crazy to to think that Hamish McLennan can continue on and and do what he's able to do, knowing that the product. Like I can understand he's passionate about Rugby Australia. I think the biggest issue here is is Rugby Australia. They've got five Super Rugby teams. Is that competitive enough going forward? And there was a clip in there as well talking about, well, when I spoke about Kempi before, well, Kempi brought it up, potential of New Zealand rugby players going over and strengthening up the sides and being eligible for the All Blacks. And that has been the question mark. Well, if that happens, that opens up uh, another avenue for players to potentially, if they do that, that opens up the potential for players to go to Europe because what's the difference? Mm, yeah, you know, going over to Europe and, and playing over there, there is there is no real difference. So there's a few things in here, but it was interesting to hear that he is open to that. Well, the the thing I would say is that we don't have the player depth anymore. This isn't ten years ago. We mm. don't have the player mm. depth anymore to strengthen the Australian teams because we're losing so many players at younger ages over to Europe and and, and Japan. Right? Mm. You know, I mean, if Japan and Europe weren't there, sure. But like I said, this isn't 10 years ago. I mean, we are struggling to have five competitive teams now ourselves, right? The Highlanders missed the, the top eight this time around. They made it last year by winning four games. 
You know, so the Highlanders mm. haven't been competitive for a while. So we've only really got four competitive teams. Yeah, and Andrew Rod- Andrew um, Hall, the a Blues CEO, came on uh, went on Paddy Gow's show and he spoke about. He got asked questions: Are Kiwis falling out of love? And he says, "Well, no, they're not. The numbers are showing. Broadcasting's up, so people love sitting at home watching these games. The content, the inter- Instagram, the social media uh, interactions are up twenty percent." So those are all fine and dandy, but the reality is when you go to a game, particularly when Australians play in New Zealand, the numbers are well down. So they're not drawing in the numbers. Kiwi derbies, yes, you can expect good, solid numbers to go to these games. But the question is, are Kiwis falling out of love with the game? And this is a clip that Air Pettigauer um, asked last night. Are Kiwis falling out of love with rugby? No. No. The game is different, but people are still connected to it. We've had absolute proof that when good things happen in the game, it brings people together. When more challenging things happen in the game, it creates conversations and polarisation like we don't see across our communities. And if people didn't care about the game and think deeply about it and want it to be great, they wouldn't be having those conversations. So there you go. And that brings us to this. Can't wait question of the day. The broader question is, is the general New Zealand public falling out of love with rugby? But we're asking you, are you falling out of love with rugby? What do you think? How do you feel about the game as it stands? 0800 150 or double eight double three. Is rugby as important to you now as it was five, ten years ago? We want to hear from you, 0800 150 or double eight double three. Interesting, Izzy, uh, you mentioned mm. that. The, we're just not seeing people at the grounds anymore. And nah. I think that puts the onus back on the Super Rugby teams and New Zealand Rugby to make match day experience better. Because match day experience, I know from going to Eden Park, is, um, I mean, it's not even, it's not full, right? You've got maybe 15,000, 20,000 on a good day. Mm. Uh, but you still got to queue for 15 minutes to get a beer or a hot dog. Like, you know, the, the facilities aren't there, the prices are high, and then outside of that, what's going on? I mean, uh, you know, 660 are playing State of Origin 3, right, opener. Have mm. we got that sort of thing going on, or is or is that the chicken and the egg thing? Unless they get the, the numbers through the gate, they can't afford to do that stuff. You know, there's a lot of those sort of arguments. I would suggest that the, that the watching it at home is a lot more comfortable. The beer's cheaper, easier to get to. You don't have to <laughs> don't have to have the queue or whatever. Um, so maybe it comes down to match day experience. But uh, I mean that that is something else that needs to be talked about. Yeah, match day experience is huge. Uh, entertainment factor, you know, like that's what they really need to to nail here. And, and look, I can only speak because I've been a part of this organisation. Like the Crusaders, they do an okay job. They do a pretty well job. Like on the weekend, they had a kid zone. At the, at the Crusaders game. So they had popcorn, they had all these little bouncy castles and things like this. They had a bullet lounge. So they're trying, but it's just trying to encourage. I think the mentality is, is a big barrier for a lot of these um, families at home. Like, it's it's tough out there at the moment. Cost of living's up, inflation, like money, spare money on offer is just limited at the moment. So trying to encourage and find ways where you can have a product that's sustainable but also encouraging people to be a part of it. So take a kid to footy, for example. You can take your kid to footy. Most kids can go free, maybe pay five bucks. But then on the flip side, the adults' tickets is where they make up the rest of the money. So trying to find a way where you can encourage the adults at a, at a sustainable price, a fair price to take their kids, but also be entertained there. And just to elaborate on that question, like what does a fan want? 
or need when they uh, with Super Rugby? Like, what are you looking for? Like, it's easy to say, "Are you falling out of love?" But I want to know why and what would you as a fan need? I think at the moment, um, Ricardo, engagement potentially might be uh, something that we really need to look at. Engaging our super teams, our rugby players, our superstars with the fans on a genuine, um, like, and being genuine about it. Not just ticking the boxes. I'll be honest, when I was playing, like, you had a promo and she had to go to do this two-hour kids coaching lesson after a seven-hour day. And you're like, oh, it's so long. And yeah. your like, mentality is so... But it's finding ways where you're not just ticking boxes and going just to make the, the sponsor happy, but being genuine about your approach. When you get there, actually making a, uh, a difference and being engaged with these people. Yeah, I mean, it's doing different things to encourage people along to games too, right? You know, for example, mm. if you buy a ticket to the Blues versus the Crusaders this weekend at Eden Park... And uh, you know, buy you know, do the push early, buy the tickets early, and then uh, everybody that's bought a ticket up to midnight on Tuesday night is in the draw uh, to win an upgrade with um, a corporate box, and and you can invite another ten mates, and we'll put the food and drink on for you, you know, things like that, like those kind of pushes, or you know, we used to do one when I was involved at the Kings football. Uh, every time there'd be a lucky seat number, it was sponsored by. Uh, a bed company, and uh, you got to go out onto the fit, onto the pitch and try and score a goal from heart, from the centre circle. If you could score a goal from the centre circle, you got a thousand dollars cash, you know, um, mm. and things like that, encouraging people to get along, other op- opportunities for them to win and to do things. The, the players need to be accountable here too, Rick Dog. You know, like when you've been asked to get out and be in a part of these clubs to go and do these promotional work. Like, go there with the right attitude and go there trying to make a difference for the game. I think if you just go in there and, and you're not really offering yourself and not giving your full self to these people, then you're not really engaging. I think, you know, I can speak from where from it because I've been in that position. I've been at opportunities where I've gone to clubs around the country and I've like, oh, you know, you don't really get engaged or you're not really, you're tired, you're looking for excuses. It's been a big day, it's been a big week, but this is making their day. 100%. This is making an absolute difference when you make this. So I think it's the mindset from current athletes. We, we probably have to change the way that we look at these opportunities to go and engage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you know, I, I know Joe from Gisborne uh, wants to have a word, but before we go to him, you know, and, and this is slightly different because it's more media related, but and I won't name names, but I put a request in to one of the media managers this week for a player, ask for a specific player, mm. Uh, got told a day later, oh, no, he doesn't want to do it because he just wants to focus on his footy this weekend. He's on the bench, mm. you know? I mean, mm. like, I know you're a finisher when you're on the bench rather than a reserve and all that, mm. but, I mean, you know, it's part of your gig, part of your job. Talk about it. Talk yeah. about the game, Yeah, you know, mm. uh, to, and get get people along. Um, Joe from Gizzy is with us. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll we'll go to him now. Uh, Joe, your, your traditional... Uh, cross time at uh, six twenty. Let's let's cross to Joe for his word, daily word. Joe, good day, come in. Yeah, morning, Rick. Dog. Yeah, there's big, big issues missing with the experience with rugby in the New Zealand. I mean, I was based in Europe for sixteen years, and when you go to sports, like well, based at Toulouse, you know, they've got a McDonald's corner where all the parents drop kids off. They take eight hundred kids and they look after the whole game and two hours post game. They have they have stations where players have to turn up for an hour and a half and interact with the public. And you only get the game for 80 minutes, boys. People go and get drinks, go and get hot dogs. You go to the States, you go to the Yankees. Everything comes to you. 
and you're there for four and a half hours. So why isn't things coming to us at a game? You shouldn't have to get out of your seat. And the other thing that you're finding with the rugby, yeah, it's easier to sit at home and it's cheaper, Rick, you're, you're right there. And coming from Disney when we went to the Warriors the other week, it costs a lot of money. But you go there for the love of the game, right, because you're a, you're a huge fan. But the one thing we're missing is moving the game around the country. Bring game to Gisborne, right? Yep. Even if it's an Australian mm. game, bring it to Gisborne. We'll sell 10,000 seats standing at the old Poverty Bay rugby, right? But we don't do that. We stay there, you watch the Cape Town, 6,000 people, mm. 8,000 people. You know, there's no imagination anymore with the game to take it to the people. Everybody expects the people to go to the game. And as you know, guys, you know, you're both, both fathers. You know, there's priorities with your kids, there's priorities with work, and you just can't mm. travel with every game. I'd love to go to every Chiefs game. We get there once a year because you've got priorities. So we brought the game to the people and managed it a bit better with, and like you're right, is with access to players on off days, you know, then that way you get the buy-in back from the next generation. And I think that's where we're going to have trouble, boys. Well said, yep. Joey. Well said. Thanks very much for your Love call. It, Joey. Keep your calls coming through. 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. Are you falling out of love with rugby? If so, why so? And what would you like to see done about it to get you back to games and get you back engaged? It is 6.24 on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance. We have... 629, call any time, 0800 Or give us a text on the Temper Bedpost text machine. Temper and Bedpost range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort. And plenty of texts coming through. Is he on double eight double three? Yes, is the answer. Rugby is no not the number one followed game in New Zealand League, NRL, and basketball has surpassed it. Cost. This is a big one that's coming up as well, Ricardo. Cost for a ticket for an average product is a main factor. That is from Pete, and uh, we appreciate your message coming through, Pete. And then another one from Pat. Guys, a real put-off is paying big money, as noted. But hearing someone on the mic yelling, do first, do first, it's a put-off. You never hear that in test matches or state of origin. That is from Pat in Christchurch. So money is coming up big time there, Rick Dog. Maybe the pricing is yep. too steep. For a lot of these listeners, if you go and listen to that, Patty Gow, there was actually a family that took his kids, took her kids to the game, and she spoke about the pricing. Uh, the kids were free; kids got to get into the game for free. But obviously, the pricing is is her ticket. That's probably a, a pretty steep. You know, I don't know what the prices are off the top of my head, but I'm thinking like 70, 80 bucks is quite steep to go and watch a game of rugby. But then on top of that, you think of the food prices at these stadiums, aren't they, Rick Dogs? Like the hot dog, usually ten bucks. Yeah. Part of the chip is five bucks, you know, like that is quite ludicrous if you think about it. Yeah, well, it is. That's the thing, and you know, it's, and it's not great food either. Like you don't mind paying ten bucks mm. for something that's uh, that's well put together, but generally it's a dry bun with a you know a bit of mm. sauce and a sausage chucked in it, which you probably get at Bunnings most weekends for two bucks. Um, you know, something along those lines. But yeah, so I mean, it's value for money, value for money, and experience. Mm. You know, and uh, this one's come through from Leighton Johnston as well. Thanks for your text, Leighton. Boys, it's not the game we're falling out of love with. It has a lot to do with the hospitality side of it. I often have tickets to the Crusaders games to take clients to. I struggle to give these away, as guys will say they'd rather watch it at home or at the pub. If I take four guys and go grab four beers 20 minutes into the game and get another round, then I'm told it's only two beers per person. So I have to get a client Mm. to go and get two. And then it's one per person. And then bugger me with 15 minutes to go, you can't even buy a beer. You go to an Aussie game for NRL, it's completely different. 
different. I have six tickets for this weekend's semi-final, and the boys have said, no thanks, let's go watch it at the pub. Guarantee this has more to do with it than the game itself. Yeah, that's a, that's that's one of the big barriers as well. You go and you go line up for drinks. That's always part of it, but, oh, man, it's, it's a difficult one because the select few ruin it for, for the many. Yeah. Oh, I feel like you, you, there's got to be barriers there because some of them, Leighton, take the mick out of it. You know, like they, t- they take the piss and they go there and they lose the pot and then obviously when you've got thousands of drunk hooligans running around the stadium, it's not a good thing. So maybe the way that we approach drinking in New Zealand is a big problem. But Leighton, I'm hearing you, mate. I know I'm hearing your, your, your calls and it's, it's something. The hospitality part of it is a big barrier at the moment. Yeah, 100%, mate. Uh, I can tell you, your tickets, premium tickets for the Crusaders uh, for this weekend is $75 mm. per ticket. Mm-hmm. Premium tickets. So that is the cost of going to watch uh, Super Rugby semi-final. It is seven, uh, sorry, 6.33, I should say, here on SENZ. Is Ian Kempe for breakfast? Craig's chipped in as well out of New Plymouth. Uh, more afternoon games. That would help. That would help. That might be that might be something else that needs to be looked at. But then that all comes into battle with it. TV. That comes into battle yeah. with TV. Then doesn't it? And what you're offering uh, to overseas markets. Uh, but keep your texts coming through, please. Double eight, double three, oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. Let's catch up with the latest in news and sport with Araha. Thanks to Kubota, we're building and shaping New Zealand. <laughs> It is 25 away from 7. Power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. So newsflash, Rick Dog. This from Richie on double eight double three. A sausage from Bunnings now costs $2.50. I don't know what, what? this country is coming to. What? Exactly. Two bucks? Where are you going to find that fitty? Come on. <laughs> Who has changed anymore? I'm always going to the supermarket with my daughter, and they've got one of those machines in there with a claw that you can get the soft toys. It's like, Dad, can we play yeah. this? It's like, I don't have any change. Do you have any change? She's like, nah. I was like, well, there you go. Uh, anyway, let's get to some sports news headlines. The total prize money at Wimbledon this year is going to rise by 11.2% with the winners of each of the singles, uh, men's and women's, getting £2.35 million pounds each. It's not a bad day at the office. The total prize mm. fund at the championships will be £44.7 million. Pounds, and that is an increase of 17.1% compared to 2019, which was the last Wimbledon before the coronavirus pandemic. The earnings for the winners of the singles competitions are back to the levels they were in 2019, as is the £1.175 million pounds going to the runner-up. The prize for the singles champions had dipped uh, in 2021 and the can- tournament was cancelled in 2020 officials said a priority was also placed on supporting players in the early rounds so now if you go to Wimbledon Izzy and you lose in the first round you still get £55,000 which is 10% up oh. And the come qual- on. And the qualifiers <laughs> prize fund has also gone up by 14.5%. So they're looking after you, mate. They're looking after you. Uh, looking after the up-and-coming players, which is uh, which is good to hear. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights have won their first ever Stanley Cup only three mm. years into their existence after they thrashed the Florida Panthers 9-3 in Game 5 of the series. This is well ahead of Bill Foley's ambitious timeline. He told the squad in pre-season on their debut season, playoffs in three, cup in six. 
And then in their first season, they, they went ahead and made the Stanley Cup final and, and, and they lost in the final. So he shifted the goalposts and told them, all right, Stanley Cup in three. They have done it. Nice. Outside of the teams that won the Stanley Cup in the first six years of the competition's existence, only one other franchise has managed to achieve this goal of winning within the first six years of starting, and that was the 1984 Edmonton Oilers, and they had Wayne Gretzky, which is kind of like having a cheat code. So um, <laughs> so well done, the Vegas Golden Knights. And you, you want to know how, you, how, how much you loved, how important you are, Izzy? How about this? When the president of your country publicly makes announcements saying he's going to try and get you to stay at your club. Uh, that's what's happened. Uh, French President Emmanuel Macron has hinted he's going to try and keep Kylian Mbappe at PSG. Mm. Macron has played a role in, in Mbappe's career before. PSG Ford revealing 12 months ago that the pre French president had convinced him to stay through conversations. Mbappe has since come out and told PSG he will not renew his contract, which expires in a year's time. And asked about Mbappe's future now, Macron told French press, I don't have any news, but I will try and push for Mbappe to stay. <laughs> Where's he going? What do you reckon? If he isn't going to stay, Rick Dog, is, is he going to real? Well, Ray would be the obvious one, although I don't know if financially they can make it happen. The interesting one is, and this is one where you've got to connect a few dots here, but the latest coming out of Qatar is that the sheik from Qatar who wants to buy Manchester United, uh, there are reports coming out that he's been successful, right? Mm. And there's some talk that if he is successful... Talk to me, Rick. If he's successful, he wants a marquee signing for Manchester United as the new owner, and it could well be Kylian Mbappe. <laughs> Would that get you excited, mate? mate how, how, how good would that be? That'd be massive. Can you imagine him playing in a front three with Marcus oh. Rashford and Anthony? Oh, oh. mate, that'd be good. Bruno Fernandes so in good. behind. Oh, so good, mate. So good. Kez you were so excited. Oh, I, I am. Yeah, Kez is being violently ill next door as a Liverpool fan. But Don't you know, worry about right. Kez. <laughs> Don't worry about us, mate. Manchester United are back to the Holy Land. Come on. Come on. How good would that be? There you go. Those are Sports News headlines for your trades and builders. Power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. Uh, keep your texts coming through as well. On rugby, where it's at for you, uh, why you do or don't go and watch it, and what it needs to do to bring you back in. Uh, take games to the regions. If the Blues had played their quarterfinal in Whangarei, it would have sold out. Main centres are spoiled for choice. That's Brett from Northland. That's a really good point, actually, because uh, it wasn't even half full That's of Eden Park for, for, for the Tars. So that is a great point. Keep those texts coming through. We'll get to those. Uh, we'll get to more of those right throughout the show. 0800 150 811 is our number, of course, and 8833 is our text line. But you want the phone number, 0800 150 811, because we have... Yes, two hundred dollars worth oh. of TAB bonus bets to give away. Up next, with the quizmaster himself, Quizzy Dad, give us a call. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. No matter what you ask me, try and play the quiz, things won't get nasty. Get up, stand up, come and throw your hands up. If you got the feeling, get the phone's lights ringing. Came to get paid, we came to get paid. So get on your phones and dial now. Call now, 0800. Call now, 150. Call now, 811. Call now, call now and get paid. Hey, 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 hey. Ha, ha. 
<laughs> Rick Dog, the Soft Toy Claw Games now have tap and go. You're out of luck, mate. <laughs> Shut up. Don't I'm going to be telling it. your daughter that's an excuse. Get the card out and tap it, and you get yourself a toy. Well, good luck. You might have to take 10, uh, 10 tap and goes because that thing's rigged. Tell yep, me about 100. it. 100. <laughs> Here we go. Let's rip into it. Alvin, good morning. Morning. Good morning, morning, Alvin. Your chance to win 200 bucks. Here we go, mate. Question number one. This is a doozy. Novak Djokovic has now won the most men's singles titles with 23. Which opponent has beaten him most has beaten most in finals. Which opponent Andy has Murray. he beaten most in finals? Yes. Has Novak beaten, sorry. Has he beaten most in finals? Andy Murray is correct. Five times Federer and Nadal four each. Question number two. That was a good question. Which Blues player will make his 100th Super Rugby appearance for the franchise this weekend? Uh, Ricky Riccitelli. Ricky Riccitelli is incorrect. Sorry, Alvin. Have a good day, my friend. Appreciate your call. Lammy from Palmerston North. Well, good morning, Lizzie. Good morning, Ricardo. Morning, morning brother. Lizzie. Lizzie. Yes. Just quite. Yes. You see, I'm back in this Friday, mate. Crusaders. Who are you back Yes. Yes, Lammy. <laughs> You're seeing the light. I love it, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. Fair enough. Which Blues player will make his 100th Super Rugby appearance for this franchise this oh. weekend? Is that Rico Iwani? That is Rico Iwani. Question number three. Which team just won their first Stanley Cup? Oh, the Golden... Oh. Golden Vegas Knights or something? Close enough. Yeah, we'll give you that. Vegas Golden Knights is correct. Question number four. Which MPC side did Ricky Riccatelli make his senior rugby debut for? Oh, God. Um, I wouldn't have a clue. Uh, oh, can I have a clue? Please? Uh, if you want to have a clue, uh, Tane Randall. Tane Randall. Um, oh, geez, I wouldn't have a clue. Um... Three, um, two, one. Don't know, brother. Sorry. All good. All good. Let me have a good day, mate. We're going to head to Christchurch and catch up with the slick-looking Mark. How you doing, Marky? Good, mate. How are you? You're not winning this, mate. you got no chance, OK? <laughs> I, can't, I can't let you win it, all right? So watch NBC side. Did Ricky Riccatelli make a senior rugby debut for what was the question again? Sorry, is it just whispered? Which NPC, NPC side? Yeah, the Ricky Riccatelli oh. make his senior rugby. The hot NPC. Otago. Otago is incorrect. Sorry, Mark. Have a good day, mate. We're going to go to Kerry from Mangafai. Morning, Kerry. Morning, boys. How are you? Good, thank you. Which NPC side? Did Ricky Riccatelli make a senior rugby debut for? Was it uh, Hawks Bay? Hawks Bay is correct, the mighty magpies. All right, Kerry, your chance. 200 bucks. Matthew Fitzpatrick is the defending US Open champion, but who was the last player to win the tournament in back-to-back years? 
five. Uh, you get a clue. Three. Yeah, I'll grab a clue, thank you. Uh, Liv. Brooks Kipka. Beauty, Kerry. That is 200 bucks with the bonus bets coming your way. Brookie Kepka is correct. Can he go back to back again? That is the question, Kerry. Yeah, it'll be good. Might, might put um, free bet on him, mate, for that one. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. Got anything to do. else? Tough to do. Not even Tiger did it. Got anything else, bud? You got anything else that you can tip us into, mate? We got love racing coming up. I've got no idea. I took one yesterday. It was horrible. Nah. Uh, maybe the Blues, Speed Crusaders, I reckon. Yeah, 12 and under. <laughs> <laughs> you're on the money. Oh, good, Kerry. You're on the money. You're, uh, you're full pockets now. And Enjoy. Have a good time and, and spend it wisely, mate. Thanks for that. Appreciate it. That was uh, Quizzy Dag. We're going to shoot away. We're going to come back with some love racing. There was plenty happening yesterday, and there was a great race over in Sandown that I want to talk about. Back soon. Welcome back, Izzy Kempi for breakfast, SENZ. It's just after 7 o'clock. We've had a big hour. Plenty of messages coming through on the double eight double three text machine. Temper bedpost text machine. Keep those messages coming through. We're just having a few problems to get in hold of uh, Jerome Carno. No surprises there. Hopeless as anything. Sponsor function. Yeah, he's, oh, mate. He's, he, uh, before I went to be, I said, I'm going to bed, Jerome. I'll chat to you at 9 p.m., French time, which is 7 a.m. here in New Zealand. He said, sweet bro. Yeah, sweet bro. Sweet what? Yeah, ain't there. You ain't answering your phone, are you? Oh, can't oh. rely on Jerome, but that's always. He's always reliable as anything on uh, the rugby field, but off it, mm, maybe, maybe you never you know got, what you're going to get. Maybe you got a glimpse at your studio and went, I'm not talking to that guy. Jeez. Yeah, well, probably. he's blue through and through, <laughs> that man. Um, we did ask you probably. earlier. Uh, uh, we did ask earlier about um, uh, is New Zealand falling out of love with rugby? That is a question that Paddy Gower asked um, on on his show the other night. Andrew Gordy also interviewed uh, Mark Robinson about it as well. Is New Zealand falling out of love with rugby? What does uh, New Zealand rugby need to do or what do super franchises need to do to entice you back? And we've had lots of traffic on this. Is he including Pete who messaged before and he's come back and said, look, I purchased tickets for the Warriors-Rabbitohs game at $40 a ticket. The seats are near the players' tunnel, only six rows from the touchline. Equivalent seats at Eden Park is $75. Mm, see, that, that's right there. That's it right there. You're getting two for the price of one in comparison to the game of rugby. Like it's, if, if, See, that's, is that the reason why the stats... See, the, on the flip side, you're thinking, OK, the thought process of rugby unions and rugby um, franchises, that we're not getting the numbers. So to make up for the lack of numbers, we need to sting the the committed few that are coming to to make up that that costs or that their difference in, in costs. You know, to make it up. So is, is that the right approach? It's no thinking. way. That's the right approach. Yeah. That's backwards thinking. Hundred percent. You need to encourage these 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 teams and these people to come along and support their team. Forty dollars each for a similar seat at Eden Park. For a game in NRL, I'm not surprised that they're stack packing out the stadiums. Well, exactly. I think the, the lowest crowd the Warriors have had this season was that game against the Roosters when it thundered down, and that was still north mm. of twenty thousand. How many games this season have the Blues got twenty thousand and four? I'd say probably one. 
Yeah. Has there even been one? You know, like might might have been the Crusaders um, Blues game uh, up there at Eden Park. Like, yeah, it's it, it is crazy to think that that costing is the big problem here, and that is not the problem within uh, the game of NRL. It's 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 affordable. And people can go and be a part of it. Oh eight hundred one five eight eleven. Give us a call and let's debate this even more because it is a big topic at the moment. And there's a couple more messages here that we'll get through right now. Rick Dog, morning boys. Every year in Union, they introduce more rules meant to make the game more flowing and speed it up. Well, guess what? It doesn't work. There's plenty of examples here. Here's one of the advantages rule usually as soon as a bit of flow starts to happen. Next minute, the ref blows the whistle and back we go for something that happened. Um, Dean plays back uh, for not, for me, not no more, unless the, it's the Satyrs. So, like, yeah, the stoppage in play. The stoppage in play is huge because I remember watching that Blues and the Warriors game. As soon as it went to the scrum, I flicked it straight back to the Warriors because the ball in play, they speed it up. Like, we can't take away the scrum. Rick Dog, we know that. It's, if we take away the scrum, it's just pretty much game of rugby league. What's similar? So the scrum is important. But, you know, as soon as that scrum goes down once, free kick. I don't know. It's a lolly scramble in there at the best of times. But free kick, keep the game going, tap it. Free kick, only a tap. No reset. Tell you what. just tap it and go. Another one I quite like is, uh, you know, it's always, you know, it's always the fat men that go down, right? So things things, mm. things things get a bit tough, and a prop will go down with a tight calf, and that'll hold everything up. But mate, you've got subs on the bench. If your prop goes down with a tight calf, roll another prop on, play on. There's no no more stoppages. Mm. Keep the game rolling. Brett from Huntley's called through on 0800 150 811. Morning, Brett. How are you? Morning, you too. Yep, it's play. Um, Brett, the quarter in Hamilton on Saturday, so... Mm. Right behind the post, there's another field, and the women's club final was on that field. Is so, hey, right, yeah, bro. So the women's <laughs> club final was um, there's a field behind the post um, on the mm. left hand side of mm. the, the main stand. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was walking past on my way to the stadium, and I was like, "Why isn't this our curtain raiser? <laughs> Why mm. isn't you know?" A, a, so that those ends of the, the main stand, or even I sit on the other side to the broadcast side, um, why isn't that section given to those two clubs? I think it was Melville and Old Boys. You know, give a section each to the club and play that as a kitten raiser. And I, I guarantee you they just chucked it in the two-hard basket right off the bat. Mm. Yeah, because you can reward those people, right, that are coming along to support the women's final. You could reward them, go, right, like, you know, because one of the things that's going to come up there is cost of tickets, right? People coming along to watch the women's final don't want to pay super rugby prices, you know, to go and watch that. But So you, 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 you work something out with the clubs, you do a deal, it's five bucks a person or whatever, get them in, have special seating allocated just for the people that are there to watch the club final, and then you get more bums on seats, more people buying hot dogs, more people buying Cokes or whatever it happens to be, that's where you make your money. And there were heaps of people there, Ricardo, at, at that game, at that women's game. And Kai, Kai is expensive, but mm. I, I haven't bought Kai at, at a stadium for years because I, I know the only thing I'll buy on this Saturday night will be a coffee to warm my bloody hands up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Brett, Brett, just on that, like, you look at the Chiefs, probably the most passionate fans 
in the country. You you go to plenty of games. Like what are what are they doing so right? Or, or what are some of the things that you just touched on it? Then there was a missed opportunity right then and there to allow club rugby, which is struggling at the moment. Like in that Padigar, uh conversation last night, they went to Ponsonby Club, the oldest club and or one of the oldest in the country. Eighteen eighty four was established. While the junior kids kids rugby, they've got six hundred kids playing, but they're down two hundred and fifty kids. So that is a missed opportunity when you think of club rugby. But on the flip side. What, what what are the Chiefs doing so well? Because you tend to sell out that stadium. Ah, bro, good question and good timing of that question. So uh, last Tuesday, uh, as season ticket holders, we got an email, and my my ten year old girl she comes to every game with me. Uh, my brother and his young fella they travel down from Walkworth for every game. Uh, he's thirteen, and them as kids. They were offered the opportunity to uh, form the Guard of Honour when the mana ran out last uh, last week. And mm. so uh, both kids needed a chaperone, me and the brother, yeah, that's us. So we went around <laughs> to the other side. Um, yeah, and the Chiefs didn't actually run out on our side, but when they came in from their warm-up, they, they came along. And Bro Natoo was just the man, and, you know, he high-fived every kid. Um, a few of the other boys that were starting just gave us the, the eyebrow raise but you know my nephew and my daughter will they, that's all they've spoken about all week mm. Is the so engagement there really from a Chiefs point of view? Brett, like that's that's engagement there 100% Naitoa Akoi is very good at it but is that genuine engagement from the Chiefs community? Like, Are they out there in the community at the rugby clubs making a difference? I know they're, they're always out at schools and um, a lot mm. of the times the injured players will come into um, the supporters club, which is uh, behind yep. the stand on the far side. And so injured mm. players, guys who aren't playing, they'll just um, come in. There's, um, there's a corporate uh, lounge behind that stand as well and you'll always see players in there, which uh, <laughs> what you were talking about before. Uh, do they, are they really keen to be in there? Um, but yeah, we'll have... Um, players come into the supporters club quite often. Beautiful, beautiful. We love your call, Brett, from Huntley, mate. Passionate as always. Good good luck this weekend taking on the Brumbies. Hopefully a, a packed-out stadium, mate. Appreciate your call. Hard. Cheer, bro. Have a good day. Uh, Brett, yeah. thanks you, Brett, for your call. Keep them coming through. 0800 150 Unfortunately, the quality of the game has steadily dropped over the last five years. It's a tough watch these days. No name on that text, mm. but, you know, I, I could see that. Uh, Brian from Christchurch. Guys, two words that are making people fall out of love with rugby, <laughs> Ian and Foster. Um, Brian is strangely from Christchurch. I never would have thought that, but there you go. I think that's... That hasn't helped the cause as well. Like there's when there's unsettledness at the top. When it's unsettled at the top, sorry, it's you know it's a flow-on effect. When you when you look to our leaders or the people that are running the administration, the game, and there's a lot of conflict there or, or uncertainty, it, it doesn't help for sure. So we're getting certainty going forward. We know that uh, Ian Foster and Co. That's been trying times, but um, this is probably a, a bigger factor at the at the kids level. Like, I touch on it all the time, like the engagement and the costs. Like, the, the, the pricing has come through mm. in droves on the text machine, isn't it, Rick Dog? Like, the pricing is a big factor. It is tough out there. Not- so we need to find ways to help make this sustainable and people to be able to go along to the game.
And it's not just the price, but it's also the amount of time it takes because they don't have enough people for the amount of crowd that they've got there serving. You know, I mean, I've, I've talked to people who have been to uh, Eden Park for Blues games and there's like one person serving at a food counter. You know, yeah. and, you know, no wonder you get queues. So this one's come through from John as well. Morning, fellas. It's way too expensive for families, but it's the food and alcohol that are a massive issue. A lot of people don't do... Uh, don't go as groups or boys' nights or whatever because you have to stand in a queue for so long to try and get food and a beer. You wouldn't go out yeah. and get another beer at halftime because then you miss half the game. It's ridiculous, and people just aren't interested in doing that. You should be able to get in and out and get back to your seat. Well, there you go. That's it there, isn't it? You go to America, when do you ever leave your seat? When do you ever leave your position to watch the game, to go and line up and, and miss 20 minutes of the game? You need people roaming up and down the stands, serving out drinks, serving out popcorn, hot dogs. Look, there's a little bit of that, but not as much as we probably should, no. should be seeing. Like, it's just simple. If you get good service, Rick Dog, at a restaurant, you go back, even if the food's okay. But the service has trumped it, you, you'll continue to go back because yeah. it's good service. Exactly. I think the only ones that I've seen at any New Zealand sporting events going around and actually selling direct to people in the stands are the guys that do the donuts, the Little Orbit's donuts. Mm. But, I mean, you know, I've been to baseball in the States and things like, you know, there's guys up and down the roads constantly with bags of hot peanuts and all sorts of stuff, you know, that's always there. It comes to you. You don't have to go to it for the most part other than, other than a beer. Yeah, 100%. Another message here. The All Blacks nonsense last year hasn't helped either. The best thing about watching Super Rugby was watching the superstar All Blacks and seeing their form getting excited for the All Blacks. It's a World Cup year, and even the most passionate All Black supporters at my work have switched off. Fingers crossed Razor gets us excited about All Blacks again, which with naturally flows into hype about Super Rugby. There's some big questions that need to be asked of All Blacks management, and I wonder if they know the flow-on effects from their shenanigans. And, and I think that's a big point as, as well. Mm. I was watching the NBA, and this young kid you know, saved up all his money. He saved up for weeks, for weeks, to go and watch Jimmy Butler at the Heat. Well, Jimmy Butler didn't play that game. So he went along. But what did Jimmy Butler do? He went out and made it his mission to go and give this kid a signed uh, singlet, a signed uh, merchandise, and offered him opportunities and tickets to go to other games. So that's just an example of, of engagement, fan engagement, getting out there and absolutely making a difference. The question is now, we touched on it's always a big topic in conversation, Rick Dogg, is this player, player rest. You know, are we having an opportunity to see our best superstars playing week in, week out? Or is it a simple case that the game has changed and we don't have genuine superstars in the game? Mm. You know, you think back to the old days when you were watching, when you used to go watch the you Blues, me old. you had Carlos Spencer. No, no, no. But the, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm the, joking. The joking back, in, back in the day, <laughs> the, you know, the Carlos Spencers, mm. the Joe Rockathokos, yeah. you know, the Dougie Howlett's, well, the um, Xavier Rushes. Like, is there enough pull from a player's point of view? Perfect example is Kez in the kitchen, mm. right? He went to one Super Rugby game this season. Uh, he went and watched the Blues play Moana. And how many All Blacks were in the Blues team? 
just the Dalton, just the Dalton properly. It was quite embarrassing, boys, because I took um, my partner's parents over, and they they're from Aussie. They'd never been to a rugby game, full stop. But um, my partner's dad is is real big into it, watching it on the telly. So he's like, let's go to a Blues game, you know. And and he enjoyed it because he'd never been to a game before. But for me, as an Aucklander, going to Eden Park, and you think back to the golden memories at Eden Park over the years, and it just felt empty, Dagger. And 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 watching the mm. game, there was times where. I'd just completely zone out, mate. And I wouldn't even go on my phone. I'd just start looking around the stadium because there'd be a scrum for two minutes and then we'd break and there's no crowd noise going and you play the same old song. Sweet Caroline was played eight times and I recorded everyone, sent them to Mark Stafford. But <laughs> I just, I, I, I just that that's for me, Dagger. I'm, I'm an All Blacks fan first before a Super Rugby fan because mm. I love the NPC. I'm just not a massive fan of, of the franchises because I think I'm in the generation now being 21 years old where I was lucky. I had the Israel Dags, you know, I had these this era where, where I grew up and, and you you tune into the Crusaders and you know the team sheet already, you know, a week out because mm. it's the same players every week and it is our superstars and that's what attracted me to the game the likes of these these Conrad Smiths these Israel Dags, you know, these Corey Janes these, the, the calibre of players that you see every single week without fail I'm just not seeing them anymore and full credit to Dalton for being out there and leading the boys, you know, but I want to see Bowden you know, I, I want to see Rico. I want to see Caleb mm. Clark, you know, and, and I'm a big believer in bringing these guys through the game. But if they're up to standard and, and if Pedalfitz is better than Bowden Barrett, play Pedalfitz, you know. But it's, it's mm. for me, it's these stars that we know are the best players in the team. They're not playing for the team. And that's where my issue is. Yeah, and that maybe comes back to, you know, this, this text has come through from, um, from Chris. New Zealand rugby has put me off rugby. Uh, we are just their peasants. And I, I think, you know, that might be simplifying it too much, Izzy, but there is a little bit of this is a professional game now and New Zealand rugby don't own all the franchises like they used to, right? There's private ownership. So if those private owners are paying the players, then they should be able to play them whenever and however they want. There should be none of this player rest, player rotation. You know, we've seen... Situations where we've had players who have been injured for three weeks and have missed three weeks of football, they come back and play two weeks and then they have to have an all black rest. So like they've just had mm. three weeks because they've been injured. What do they need an all black rest for? It's ridiculous. Yeah, that that doesn't help. That doesn't help the cause whatsoever. And I can understand your frustration, Chris. Um, you know, look, if I'm honest, I, I, I think from a New Zealand rugby point of view, I think we got comfortable. And we rested on our laurels, which is something that I, I hate to say. But I think um, we've got comfortable and now we're playing a hell of a lot of catch-up. We're trying to catch up. And is it too late? We have lost the fan and how do we get them back? Yeah, that's the hardest thing is getting them back. Bruce from Christchurch, uh, welcome to the show, brother. Thanks for calling through on 0800 What have you got to say for yourself? Yeah, always listening, guys. Good chat. Uh, I've had a real think about this. I think we've had it too good for quite a while now. There's actually, I actually think there's too much top rugby. It's simply a matter of too much over a period, and we're just probably just saturated. You know, we, mm. we've had more and more tests for the last 10 or 15 years. Uh, we see a lot of it on TV, quality production, sure. Oh, if you go back 30 years, 40 years, I remember going down in Blenheim and seeing Brian Ford and other, other players close to All Blacks River playing club rugby and so on. And it, and it was buoyant, you know? 
Mm. Follow Brown might have been paying in, in, in Auckland or whatever, and those guys were paying Clark Rugby. And I, I, I just think we there's only so much you can you can do, you can you can see it. Mm. And and you're right, it, it hasn't changed a lot in the last four or five years. And humans being humans, you just get a bit bored of stuff. And you yeah. can talk about yeah. it, it is hard. It's bloody hard at the moment. And that, that contributes absolutely. Yeah, all right. I don't know if you can just just assume that we can make it better. Yeah, thanks for your call, Bruce. Thanks, thanks for that, mate. And and, and thanks, thanks for them, listening, Rick Dog. Yeah, well, Starve them. I was going to flip back and go. Do you know how many games of top flight English football there are every year? Oh, there's there's heaps. Yeah, there's exactly. Heaps. People don't get bored of that because it's the product. Mm. It's the product. I don't think it's too much top flight rugby. I think it's that the rugby is not entertaining enough. And you're not mm. seeing the biggest names all the time. Uh, 7.23 here on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance. Keep those calls coming in. 0800 811 or double eight double three on the Temper Bed Post text machine. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. 728 uh, 0800 150 or double eight double three is how you get hold of us. Our Irish John's texted through. This is an interesting point, Dagger. Can you get your take on it? Hey, boys, is this the first World Cup that NZRU and the All Black coach don't have the support of the country? Yes, it's an interesting take. Yeah, you think it's with what's going on, uncertainty, it's, it's hard to really buy in and, and know what the, the support is. But yeah, you, you make a fair point. You know, like is this this is the first year for sure that we've gone into a World Cup with so much uncertainty and, and knowing where we stand on the world stage and you know, the belief is the belief there that we can go to France and, and win this World Cup. Look, I'm still supporting the boys, but mate, it's it's been crazy, crazy times for sure. Yeah, well this is the first World Cup that I remember where and I don't think it's that people don't want us to win. I just think it's people are a bit blah about it. You know, and, and, mm, and they're uh, a bit blase, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this one through uh, from a, a, a long time listener, first time texter, uh, Tony Kemp, I believe is how you say it. <laughs> uh, bring the Southern Bears into Christchurch with the Satyrs. Time is perfect for a second NRL team with rugby support dying. Come on, the Blues. <laughs> Tony Kemp, go to sleep. <laughs> Paul from Northland. Paul from Northland, help me. <laughs> yeah, but I'll tell you what, though, uh, I think that's on the cards. This uh, mm. new stadium in Christchurch coming, and I think, uh, you know, the NRL are seriously looking at a, another team to rival the Warriors. Oh, I think it'll be amazing, mate. Um, mate, what a, hey, uh, what, what, we, had, we had someone on the show before, potentially a Blues game moving north. Is that something that you would have loved, being from Northland area? A Blues game moving north? Well, playing you know, like the like playoff game in Whangarei, you know, like would have been a sold-out stadium in Whangarei, you know, like what's your take on, on what we've been talking about, mate? Oh, I, I think you touched on a point there, Izzy, when you said, um, you know, resting on the laurels uh, and someone else mentioned the fans being treated like peasants. You know, the, the rugby union, uh, well, I like to call them the Kremlin because they're the old boys club. The way they've treated uh, and had a privileged sort of run in this country for years... You know, they've been a protected species. They're, they're on the front pages for years. Dan Carver does, does a fart and he's, you know, he's on the, he leads the news. <laughs> I, I think people are slowly waking up now. You know what I mean? Mm. They're slowly waking up to, 
to, uh, you know, you, you've got a, a coach going to a World Cup this year who's got a toxic relationship with with uh, with uh, with the Kremlin and, and and the guy running it. Um, it's just it's just unbelievable. You know, you've got the the, the Silver Lake deal that that money's mm. probably already gone. You know, if you look at the commentators, even on 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 some of the shows, they're, they're basically fanboys. There's no they never argue like you'll see on say uh, Fox League. There's no like they're all basically fanboys, Jonesy this and, and and Foxy this, and you know what I mean. It's it, they're almost mm. a vanilla. It's, it's like vanilla, and people want a bit of something different, mate. It's my mm. take anyway. Beautiful. No, yeah. I'm hearing you, mate. I'm hearing you for sure, Paul from Northland. Thank you so much for your call. And uh, I will touch on it after the headlines and news, Rick Dog. But the question for you, Rick, where does this all stem from? Mm. You know, these problems, they, they probably go back a wee while. So who is to take blame for what's unfolding now? We, I feel like we can't really. Mark Robinson has a lot to, to talk about and a lot to, to speak for. But where does this all stem back from? There's, this has probably been simmering away. You talk about Paul saying, like, this is a, a problem that's probably unfolded from what's gone on in the past. Mm, yeah, yeah, I, I think it goes back. It's, you know, as much as Mark Robinson's a bit of a punching bag at the moment, I, it didn't start with him. Mm. Uh, he's inherited mm. a lot of this and uh, maybe hasn't done the best job uh, dealing with it, but uh, he's had to inherit it and deal with it. We'll get into more of that. Keep your texts coming through. Plenty of them, and we will get to them all, including one from the flip side. Uh, which we'll get to shortly. But time it is now uh, to catch up with Araha for the latest in news. Thanks to Kubota, we are building and shaping New Zealand. It's 25 away from 8 on SENZ. Hizzy and Kempi for breakfast. Ken Antai, two easy weekend headlines. Well, mate, there's some headlines coming through on the text machine at the moment, Izzy, and I reckon we stick to those because um, <laughs> yeah, actually Marshy's made a really good point. He, he said, uh, mm. and, and look, I'm not a big Ian Foster fan, never never was, but uh, this is something that hasn't happened. I didn't even think about it. He says, I reckon Razor should have gone public and fully supported Fozzie for the Rugby World Cup. Go the ABs, go the mm. Mighty Magpies. That is something we haven't seen from Scott Robertson. Thoughts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I hear what he's saying, um, for sure. There was a good, there was an opportunity. There was, there was a little bit of it. Like, he's obviously got the job when he got announced, but he's obviously not in that seat at the moment. So the support and, and the comments from Razor should have been more accurate and we're probably implying that he should have backed the team. But um, I guess when you have a moment like that, you know, you, you're pretty proud and you've got lots to say and probably things slip your mind. Um, but, mate, I, I'm supporting Fozzie. I'm supporting Fozzie and this team to hopefully go over there and, and play prior, proud and, you know, rugby that we want to be a part of. Um, but, yeah, look... 
There's a point there for sure. For sure. Uh, the, uh, now I mentioned the flip side. Uh, here's one that we haven't had too many positive texts about rugby uh, coming through and about that experience. But Ken, <laughs> who you know is a big Blues fan, we know here at the station. We mm. love love the fact that Ken is so engaged. Uh, he has texted us in. Look, Izzy, I, uh, have you got your boots ready for Friday night? They might need you. Uh, I love <laughs> the rugby. I go to most games live, and I always go to the Blues. Uh, Thirteen plus the Blues this weekend. Cheers, cheers, Ken. So here's a man that does enjoy the experience and does go to all the games. I'm not getting the boots out. There's no chance of that. But, mate, like, that's right. Like There are the people that are passionate and will always follow rugby and support their team. They are still out there, but there's just the ones that are sitting on the fence that are just a little bit uncertain. And it stems from a lot of situations or a lot of things that have happened in the past. And we touched on it earlier. Um, you know, like, where does this stem from? The days when we were going so great, Steve Chu, you know, Steve Hansen, when rugby was thriving, we had a team, a dominating world team, won World Cups, we were always beating the South Africans, Australians, the English, the Irish, and then, you know, like, we, we were resting on our laurels. When you're in the now and you're going so well, you could probably forget about the future. You think things are just going to happen. And now we've got to a point where we are struggling and Mark Robinson's having to pick up the pieces and what's going on in the backyard hasn't really helped. But it stems from a while back. When mm. things are going so well, you forget about, you know, future. It's like when you're playing well, oh, I don't really need to do that, that work on because I'm playing well. Why should I focus on that? Rugby's playing so well, our teams are thriving. Why should I worry about the future of rugby? We're going to be okay. Got comfortable. Yep, got comfortable. And I think there's a certain amount of arrogance from NZR that people will always love rugby, that the fan base will always be there. And they don't, you know, people will come to it uh, rather than them having to take it to the people. I think that is, uh, is something as well. Uh, this text here from James in Rotorua. Morning, boys. Growing up, I was a rugby union fan through and through and would admit I was even anti-league. Three years ago, I gave NRL Fantasy a go, which forced me to watch games. NRL is just so much more entertaining. The media coverage is so much more better. Uh, the, all the Aussie analytical shows, NRL is on another level. So I also think it's multi-layers to this issue with all the rules and technicality of union. It makes, us it, makes it hard for new fans as well. That is James in Rotorua. Thank you very much for your text, James. Keep those coming through. Double eight, double three. Kenard's higher. Two easy weekend. Two days higher for the price of one. Visit a branch today. T's and C's apply. When we come back, we're talking golf with Bob Harrig. Get drunk, I'm gonna make it real clear. I want one bourbon, one scotch, one beer, one bourbon, one scotch. Week at Chemist Warehouse, find clear eyes eye drops for only $9.99. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. 16 away from 8 on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. 0800 150 811 is how you get in touch with us. Joining us now out of California is the man that wrote Tiger and Phil. Golf's most fascinating rivalry. Great read that. And he also covers golf uh, for the legendary Sports Illustrated magazine. Bob Harrod, come on in. How's California treating you, my friend? Oh, hey, it's great. No issues. Uh, it's uh, somewhat mild, the temperatures. Uh, usually doesn't rain here this time of year. Not too hot. And um, I think we're in for a good week. We could use a little more sun. It's been a bit hazy. The, the June gloom, as they call it here. Uh, but, uh, you know, no complaints. 
Thanks for having me, guys. Hey, anytime, man. Anytime. Now, Izzy, who's uh, who's working? Uh, I'm working with here is has played this course. He shot 77 on this course, Bob. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to play it. Uh, what do you make of that as a round? I think that's tremendous. I'd have to question what tees he played from. <laughs> <laughs> we played because, off the whites. We played off the whites. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, I'm, that's terrific anyway, cause, because it doesn't look that easy to me. Um, mm. You know, I've just been out there a little bit here uh, this afternoon, our time this morning. And, um, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to relate my own game to what they're trying to do does not, does not appear to be all that easy. Uh, um, it's just, um, it's a heck of a golf course, you know, it's a lot of, a lot of intricacies and obviously firm, mm. fast conditions, which these guys are far more used to than we are. Uh, but, uh, I think everybody's kind of curious, you know, what's, what's going to happen? How's it going to look? How's it going to play? It's, it's a bit of a mystery in the world of professional golf because they've never had a big tournament here like this. When you think of the course or when you've had a good look at the course and the makeup, look, it wasn't made up when I played it like it is going to be playing for the US Golf Open. Um, but when you look at the course, who's it more suited to when it comes to the golfers? Who's at the top of the list? Well, I think it's, I think whenever you're at a major, the guys who hit the ball solid who are, or are hitting it solid are, are more of the favorites. It's not a putting contest as much as we see week-to-week on tour where, you know, you can get away with some misses. Uh, I, I think if you're, if you're not hitting in the fairway, if, you're, if your game is off you're, and, and the, the conditions are firm, you know, your misses are going to roll off into the rough. Your misses to the greens are not going to stay. And now you're putting a lot of stress on your game. So, obviously, they're not all going to hit every fairway and every green, but the ones who hit the most and give themselves the most opportunities can, and can make some stress-free pars are probably going to be the ones. And so the guy I look to at the top of the list is Scotty Scheffler. Um, mm. You know, he's been a ball-striking machine here the last two months. If he'd have putted uh, with even just mediocre, he would have won the Memorial two weeks ago. He putted bad. He was last in the field in strokes came putting. But yet he was like first or second or third in several of the you know, other categories, you know, off the tee, tee to green, around the green, just not getting the ball in the hole, which, you know, obviously is part of the game too. But, but, but I, I, I just expect he's going to figure that out. Uh, you know, he's got the hard part down. So I think, I think uh, you know, he, you put him right up there. And, and, and I like John Rock too. You know, he's been playing great all year. Six, six months he's been playing great. He likes, he likes California. He won his other U.S. Open in San Diego. Uh, two years ago, uh, he won a tournament earlier this year in California in Palm Springs, the the American Express. So clearly, it suits him. And uh, you know, just given his form over the whole year, I I, I kind of like him. And then, I, I, I how do you not look at Kepka, Brooks Kepka? You know, who's been the best in the first two majors of anybody, winning one, finishing second in the other, and just seems to really get his, get himself geared up for the big one. He's the last player to win it back-to-back as well. Uh, so that's got to go in his favour. He, he obviously likes the tournament. What, what about uh, a couple of guys who maybe aren't in the conversation quite so much? I mean, you talk about a long game, Bob. What about someone like Tony Finau? Could this be his time to shine? Yeah, you know, and I like a name like that who has been a little off the radar here lately. 
You know, he won in Mexico back in April and then really hasn't done much. You know, he didn't have a great PGA championship and, you know, but there's a guy that we sort of think is going to win majors uh, or, or should or should contend. Uh, and uh, uh, again, you know, it's, it's I, his, the thing that's typically held him back has been putting. So, you know, it's, I, I just don't see this being as big of a week for putting. You know, you're going to have to make a lot of, you're going to have to two-putt a lot. You know, so that evens it out for a guy like that. You know, he's, he's, uh, if, if he can two-putt it to death and, and handle the par fives and, you know, sneak one in here or there somewhere else, then I think he's in, in great shape. If you have to, you know, shoot 66 every day, it's, he's less inclined. So I like a guy like Finau. Well, there's been plenty going on in the in the golfing world at the moment. Obviously, Jay Monaghan has stepped aside because of medical reasons. Are you able to give us an update on, on Jay's progress at the moment? And another question, you wrote Tiger and Phil, golf's most fascinating rivalry. Who is the most influential person in golf at the moment? Is Phil that man? Yeah, you know, as far as Jay, there's been no update. Um it was a little bit jarring to, to get that, uh, you know, that news. It was, it was late at night, our time uh, yesterday, uh, mm. 10 o'clock Eastern time, 7 o'clock here uh, on the West Coast. And, you know, the day was done. And all of a sudden we're announcing that he's got a health issue. And, oh, by the way, you know, we're appointing a couple of guys to kind of take over his duties. You know, look, read between the lines. If it was the flu or he had a cold or, you know, he was really tired or, you know, had a knee, had a knee operation, they, they might not have even needed to tell us, you know. But the fact that they felt compelled to tell us is interesting. It makes you wonder how long he's, he's going to have to recover, what it actually was he was dealing with. It's unfortunate. Um as far as the most influential in golf, that's a great question. I don't think it's, um, you know, Tiger still, Tiger still has a lot of influence, even while he's not playing. Um, but, but with the news of last week, and given the fact that he was sort of kept out of the loop on that, I, I just wonder now, you know, who, who does carry mm-hmm. the influence? So, um, you know, certainly... Certainly the, the folks with the public investment fund of Saudi Arabia are going to have some influence. <laughs> to what level? We're all still trying to figure that out. And I think that's, I think that's what's concerning about the whole thing. I mean, uh, you know, how much interest will they have? That's, yeah, it's a great question, and it's something to be found out. Yet, the most influential person mm. in golf could be the guy that runs the Saudi fund. Uh, that's, that's, that's not a bad <laughs> shout. Hey, just before we let you go, Bob, a uh, friend of the show, Adam Fahey, has messaged us, and he's given us his shout for uh, the uh, Los Angeles uh, Country Club. He's got Max Homer because he holds the course record of 61, Brooks because he's Brooks, Canlay because he's a California kid and has to break through sometime, Ram because he makes more birdies than bogeys, and Finau, long game for a long course, just needs his putter warm. Uh, of all those that he's given a shout-out to, uh, he's, he's backing all the horses. Uh, who do you reckon is most likely to come through? I, I like, well, I like Brooks, as I said earlier, and, and Ram, but of those, of those ones I didn't mention, I like Cantley the best. Um, you know, he's, he's kind of hovered around it at a lot of these big tournaments and, and, and hasn't quite broke through and obviously has a world-class game. He's ranked fourth or fifth in the world. There's a reason for that. 
Um, Homa is interesting. He's from this area. He does hold the course record. He did that in college. I think the golf course was a lot different then. Um, obviously, the competition was different. Um, and, and Max has not done well in majors in his career. Uh, I don't think he's posted a top ten in a major. So this is a, this, that's the next step for him to get in contention in a major. And, uh, you know, maybe this is the week. Uh, that that he does that because he's he's been a little bit disappointing in the mm. biggest tournaments. Yeah, no, well said, Bob. Well said. Listen, man, thanks very much for your time. I know you're a busy man. You got a big tournament to cover. Enjoy it, and hopefully we can catch up again soon, eh? Sounds great. Thanks so much, guys. Nice talking to you. Yeah, thanks very much, uh, thanks, Bob Harrig there from Sports Illustrated with us here on Izzy and Kempy for breakfast six away from eight. Izzy Kempe for breakfast, SENZ, just after 8 o'clock. It has been a big two hours. The text machine is lighting up. And uh, at 8.40, we're going to go through all those text messages and uh, we're going to have a continue that debate in terms of rugby. There's so much gold coming through the Temper Bedpost text machine. Double eight, double three. Keep them coming, and we'll get to those at about 8.40-ish. But right now, we're going to talk Super Rugby because tomorrow night at Orange Theory Stadium, the big semi-final, semi-finale takes place. And we're going to catch up and have a chat to one of the shining lights. Oh, probably one of the only ones left standing. And he's been flying this year is our man, Tamaiti Williams, who I get to spend a lot of time with. I've known him for a few years now. He's a good man, a great family man. And this year, he has taken his game to another level. Tamaiti Williams joins us from no doubt his bed because it is early and it is captain's run day, so he won't be getting up. To my tea, good morning to you, brother. Good morning, cuz. Good morning. <laughs> He's definitely in bed. I love it. Oh, it's nice and cold out there, mate. What time are you rolling out of bed today? Um, no, I'm out of bed. I just had weeper. <laughs> like, like the old ad, mate. How many do you do? How many weepers? I had five today. I had five. And what's the topping? Ooh. What's on there? Nah, just that hot water and sugar. Oh, old school. Yeah. Old school. That's old school. I'll tell you one thing too, mate. Because you're so fit and you can allow it and you're playing 70 minutes most weeks, chuck a bit of butter in there. Chuck a bit of butter in there, mount it, and it makes it creamy wheat bix. Oh, that's an old school doozy from back in the day. Oh, I love it. Hey, uh, Tamaiti, obviously a big week, mate. Um, Super Rugby semi-final taking on our arch rivals, the the Blues, down here in Christchurch. How's the week been for you, mate? No, it's been a good week. Um, short week, so we had a short turnaround. So um, got out to the golf course on Tuesday, and I had a good training day yesterday, so... Yeah, it's, it's come around pretty fast, and it's pretty good, yeah. Uh, Tamaiti, the the, um, the golf course you mentioned, how many times has Dagger bur- absolutely burgled you on the course? <laughs> we haven't had a game yet. Ooh. None yet. <laughs> None yet. Uh, wait, wait. 
Good yeah, well, we'll have to wait for his knee to get better, mate. Um, I was looking, I was doing a bit of reading, you know, the uh, the, the god of knowledge that is Wikipedia. Um, and obviously, you're, you're born and bred in Whangarei and you went to school at St. Kennigan's College, so you're used to wearing the blue and white. You're feeling torn about this weekend at all? No, not at all. I'm wearing black, brother. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's gone. We've lost him. He's fully converted, is he? Yeah, he's converted, mate. He is converted to my dear. Hey, to my dear, let's talk about your year in the last couple of years. Like, when you think about that young kid that made his trip south, Aaron Webb took you under his, uh, under his wing and, and showed you the way. Like, are you proud of where you've come from? Like, the journey that you've embarked on to where you are at, at now. Are you able to about to be able to talk about that journey and, and what it's been like coming down to the Crusaders. What has it done for you as a player, as a person? Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm proud. Um, I don't get much time to sit back and reflect on it. But um, just being able to come down here out of my, out of my comfort zone. Um, you know, I never thought I'd live in a place like Christchurch. I never thought I'd live in New Zealand in my life growing up in Australia. So... Um, yeah, I'm proud, but um, keep on going, I guess. Uh, to my to you, I mean, you know, prop. You, there, there are a lot of big men running around in rugby, but you're you're one of the biggest at, at six four, one hundred and one hundred and forty kegs. Um, and you've you've been pretty public in, in the past about how you had to change a few things to get the best out of your body. What are some of those things that you had to change, and and how do you, how do you, does your body feel at the moment? Um, just just off season, bro. Um, had to learn the hard way a few times, and uh, I'm the, I got the body type. I can put on 10 kgs in, in a week if I get it wrong, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, but my body's good. My body's good. Um, yeah, it's, it's, especially for this part of the year, not too many niggles, and it's just good to be able to play golf, I guess, on the day off. <laughs> Noticing a thing. And are you joined? Yeah, that's the thing, mate. He goes good too. He goes good. He's getting into this golf. He just swings it softly, hits iron off the off the tee though. He's got a bit of a crook neck. But mate, are you enjoying the kind of leadership role that you're taking on with that front row with all the um, injuries that are keeping curing with the Crusaders occurring? Sorry, with the Crusaders, are you enjoying that other side of your game? Like, how are you leading within this group in this pack? Yeah. That's, um... I don't look at myself as a leader. I just, I just try to put my head down and get the team going forward. Um, mm-hmm. That's my main role, and um, yeah, just try to give the the young boys that that are coming in, they're filling in. If we do get an injury, mm-hmm. just try to give them confidence to be able to go forward as well. So it's my main goals: try to get the team going forward. What's it been like for you having somebody like John Afor? Um, come into the camp. I, I know he was. A, it was a bit of a, um, you know, an SOS signal sent out. So you know, John comes in at thirty nine to play, but he's got so much experience uh, in the position that obviously that you play. What was that like having him come in, and, and how much have you been tapping into that knowledge? Oh, bro, he's gold. He's um, he's someone I idolised growing up. So yeah, he, he just came in and just just helped the morale of the team. This is a shared experiences, and um, he's a big sneaky too. So he was a bit unreal. 
Oh, big sneaky. I, actually, a mate of mine is a massive <laughs> sneaky head. Um, Phil has got, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm going to say hundreds, and I'm not going to be, I'm not exaggerating, hundreds of pairs of Jordans, Air Jordans, going back to the first editions all the way through. What's your go-to? What's your, what's, what's your favourite sneaker? Yeah, I would, I would have to say the Jordan ones, um, pipe things. Oh, and what? Yeah, I mean, give, giving you six four and one forty kegs, I'm picking. You're not wearing a size ten, mate. How how hard is it for you to get shoes? <laughs> no, there's a, there's a private Facebook page that, that has them. Oh, pretty hard to get on, but get on your stuff. Mate, he, he'll be wearing those tight jeans, no doubt, with them as well, eh? <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'd love to see that. Oh, I've been taking <laughs> taking fashion advice from Tony Kemp. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, the other thing I was going to ask you about, mate, is obviously being 6'4 is quite tall for a prop, right? Uh, you, most of the props tend to be around that six foot uh, and sort of stockier, but you've obviously got the size, but you've got the height as well. And the last prop I can think of that played to the level you're playing of at that sort of height was Wyatt Crockett. Have, did you ever have to tap Crockzilla for sort of knowledge about, you know, just getting down low, um, using your back, you, you know, protecting yourself because of that extra height having in the front row? Yeah, but I never got to meet him, eh? I think I was a bit too young when he left, but. I heard he's a great guy, but no, nah, shout out to Bandy. That's why I'm always at Izzy's house every week. In the mess, I'd say it helps. Um, but yeah, I'd love to meet him. Nice, mate. Like, you're a champion. We enjoy talking to you, and uh, you know I've got a lot of time for you. I think uh, the story with uh, you, all your family and how proud they are of you. Mate, the challenge this week, you're taking on the Blues. They've got Offa Tuanga Fassi. They've got Nipo La Lala. How excited are you for this challenge, mate? And what do you really need to do to to get on top of those blokes? Nah, yeah, I'm pretty excited. Um, it's going to be a war out there. Um, for me, it's just own the physicality battle. Um, they've got a world-class team, so we can just, we can just try to keep winning the physicality and help the team out, hopefully. Mm. Yeah, well, Tamaiti, yeah. I hope from an all-black supporter's point of view you come through it un- unscathed because we don't need any more props going down, brother. Um, so good luck on that front this weekend. If you want to catch up with uh, Croxilla, he owns Sterling Sports in Nelson. So just rock in on the off-season, mate, maybe when you're on holiday up there over New Year's uh, and say hello, and I'm sure he'll pass on a few tips. Yeah, might be good. Yeah, no, hey, any time, man. Any time. We're here for you, Tamaiti. Thank you very much for your time, brother. I'll, I'll let you go brush your teeth after all those wheat bix and sugars. Uh, have a good captain's run today, bro. And uh, as a Blues fan, I can't wish you too much luck, mate, but uh, go well and have a good weekend, eh? <laughs> good luck, Thank brother. Uh, Tamaiti Williams, oh. there. what a champion. What a champion, is he? He's a man yeah. of few words. Yeah. Tamaiti, man of few words, but honestly, he's such a good bloke. He's got a good heart on him, and like he's a young kid coming down here. He he was doing it all wrong, you know. Like from eating point of view, what it, what it takes to become a professional. He's learnt the hard way, but man, he's made some big changes. And if you see him now, the size of him and the athleticness of this bloke for a big prop, running as quick as he is, the mobility of him. Oh, it just gets me excited for his future and what potentially could be. It's, yeah. Tell you what, it's one of the great nurseries for Crusaders rugby, isn't it, St. Kennington College? 
I mean, Kieran mm. Reid came out of there. <laughs> Braden Inall came out of there. Tamaiti Williams came out of there. How many more are you going to steal from us, Dagger? Jeez. Well, that, that's that's not a Crusaders problem. That's an Auckland rugby <laughs> problem, isn't it? Like, they've seen the potential. They've gone out there, scouted them, and, and given them these pathways. Another poach, as many would say, <laughs> on the text machine. But, hey, he's come down here and he's made it his own, and he's, he's going really well. I've been really proud of him. I get to see him a lot. He talked about Mandy um, Chambers. She's a massage therapist for the Crusaders. She lives out the back here. She's the one that makes up my room and makes it look like this while she massages them. And I've got to know on this young kid over the last wee while, and uh, he's a real family man, and he loves his family. But he's come down here, made those sacrifices, and he's potentially going to reap those rewards, isn't he, Ricardo? Like when you think of the future and the All Blacks position, there's an opportunity there. And yeah. I'm expecting his name on Sunday to be called out. Yeah, yeah, totally. It'll it'll be called out for sure. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And you know, if, you know, fair play. As much as joke about the Crusaders poaching, I mean, like you know, players are are attracted to winning environments uh, and and you know, winning cultures, and 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 that's what happens. When you're successful, you become more successful. It's like uh, the old Rolling Stone, right? It just continues to go. So um, mm. yeah, yeah, I get that, man. I I was a little bit surprised on the five wheat picks thing, though, mate. I, I was that overs or unders for you because I, I expected more. That's discipline. That's discipline for for um, Tamaiti. You know, I was thinking ten, at least twelve, <laughs> a banana and cream and a bit of uh, butter. But no, it's just simple five wheat bits, man. What about you? What, what do you go to? And how, what's your makeup of the wheat bits? Because I touched on it. Mm. When you put butter in it with a bit of hot water, trust me. It is creamy. Yeah, I've never heard that before until you mentioned that because, like, you know, my, my granddad, uh, when I used to go and stay with him, he would make wheat picks with hot water and then just a little bit of milk once you'd soften it. You don't use the milk to soften the wheat picks, you use the hot water to soften the wheat picks and then a little bit of milk on top. Um, and I think that comes from, you know, growing up in New Zealand uh, in the 1930s and, and around in that time, you know, 20s and 30s when uh, Depression era and stuff. And so that stuff was, uh, that, that's kind of how they rolled. But, um, no, nowadays I'm four four wheat bits, usually a chopped banana on top, and then yeah. and then milk and maybe I tell you this is a, this this adds a little bit to it dagger and this gives away a little bit of my sweet tooth. But you can go you can go to the uh, supermarket, go down the baking aisle, and you get the the dark chocolate dr- chips that you they use for baking. I just I, get, not. I, I scatter about uh, I scatter a few of those across the top, mate. You're not I am. serious? Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. How, how, talk me, talk to me. What, what does it taste like? Is it a chocolate wheat pick? Uh, it's basically you, you, you're getting um, chocolate chips through your wheat picks, mate. It's you, you get. Do you know what of, you need to do there? What's that? You cream it up. Oh yeah. You cream it up. You chuck it in a um, muffin dish. You put it in there and you cook them. <sighs> mate, what do you reckon? I, I like it. It probably sounds like too much work in the morning though. But yeah, I like it. <laughs> I like it, mate. I like it. Um, and the other one is, is, is sometimes, uh, uh, just to top it off, if I know that I'm not going to eat for a while, like I've got a big day ahead, and I'm like, oh, I'll, mm. I'll do a couple of tablespoons of like a Greek yogurt or vanilla yogurt on top of the banana. Nah, now you, you're out the gate now. <laughs> <laughs> yogurt, yogurt with wheat bags, yeah. no chance. Oh, mate. Well, yeah. Come on, Dangle. What are you doing? <laughs> I haven't had Weepix for a while. I got, we used to eat it a lot as young kids. <laughs> Not surprised given morning. what Daisy cooks up <laughs> in the kitchen, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm very lucky. I don't have breakfast at home. Uh, I stay away from the brekkie. If I have something, it might be a smoothie or I just have a coffee in the morning and eat about after lunch. Um, but, yeah, look, if I was going down the Weepix, everyone's got their own formula. Mm. I, I hear of people putting Marmite Ugh. in Weepix. Yeah, I think that would be horrible. But if I think of my Weepix, I think hot water. Brown sugar, 
a little bit of milk, and then I dig a big hole and I put a blob of butter in it, and the butter mounts, and I mix it up, and it's like creamy wheat bix. Try that. All right, here you go. We're open to your wheat bix recipes. We're also open to finding out <laughs> where, where you think New Zealand rugby is at because our can't wait question <laughs> of the day has all been about that. Is New Zealand falling out of love with rugby? Is this on the NZR? Is this how how long has this been coming? Is it on Super Rugby franchises? We want to hear from you. Plenty of texts through double eight double three. You can call us as well. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. This is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance. Cleanse, brighten, and hydrate your skin with Revolution Man Skincare from Chemist Warehouse, starting from eleven sixty nine. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. 8.24 on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast, 0800 is our number, or you can text us on the Temper Bedpost text machine, double eight double three, and we've had plenty of texts through on where New Zealand rugby is at, a few about wheat picks as well now, uh, strangely, but um, thanks Goose, yeah, no, brown sugar does go 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 pretty good, mate, it does go pretty good. Hey, uh, I do I do have to ask you this one though, this came through, no name on the text, please when you do text us, put your name on it so we can give you a shout out, but this is a great question, because it's something I'd really thought about but Izzy you'll know this what normally happens at a captain's run and who attends uh, normally happens so the captain will take the, the last training of the week no coaching involved and it's basically just a jog around the players going through their moves their motions kickoffs just getting those last minute preparations for the game together the coaches aren't involved because reality is coaches don't play the game so it's the last time for the captain to have his say and people get a feel of what they're trying to implement in the game plan and who normally attends what well, sponsors fans and, and people like it it should be open I'm unsure if it's open every single time but I know the Crusaders down here there's a lot of fans kids that are uh, usually involved and, and head along to these games. The only problem with that is kids usually have schools, uh, school time on, on a Thursday, and if it's Saturday game, the captain's runs Friday, so you have to take them out of school. But in the holidays, I know they open up the stands and, and everyone can come along and watch the captain's run. So it's a real opportunity to encourage members to come along and, and sponsors and people to be a part and, um, and enjoy the captain's run. So it's, it is open. For sure. Yeah, I know that's some great insight, mate. It's a it's a great question. Thank you very much for texting it through on double eight double three. A few others that have come through. Uh, this is from Kevin. He said, "Izzy, on the rugby, it doesn't offer anything. One, it's stop start. Two, what crowd is there? You look like they are op- at the opening of a new library. Three, you need to go and have a cholesterol <laughs> test after what you've eaten there. Four, watered down draft beer and plastic cups. That's enjoyable. Five, before you even go in, you are searched by the pretending FBI. And six. Add a dollar a minute to watch 80 minutes when you only get 40 minutes worth uh, from Kevin and Titarangi. Yeah, the stoppage in play is the big game. The ball in play is a big problem at the moment. Like the game is an entertainment game. Well, that's what we're trying to hope to get to. And their rugby at the moment is stop start. 92 kicks in that game against the Chiefs isn't a good uh, a brand for what we're trying to achieve there. So, look, there's a lot of work to be done in terms of the game, but I think. Outside of the game, there's uh, probably more problems stemming from it. Costs, the entertainment, you know, like rules uh, are huge, but the price tag is probably a big factor, eh, Rick Dog? We need to find a sort of way to encourage these people to come back and promotions, take a kid to footy, that's a great example. But also on the side of that, the uh, the adult's costing needs to come down to be more, um, you know, more easier to, mm. to be able to access those those performances. But there's a lot of work to be done. We know that.
and yep. we're going to be continuing to try and engage these crowds. Well, this is another one that's come through. Again, no name on this text. Please do chuck your name on when your text is through. But uh, I like this. A super Rugby has been dead for five years. South Africa leaving was the final nail in the coffin. Crowds have been a problem for a long time. No one wants the product anymore. Most are still fans, but only tune in for the big games. The, this is the part of this I like. I didn't like that part, but this is the part of this I like because I think this is not a bad idea. The NPC model needs to be restored. Support your local province and team. All Blacks and Super Rugby players in it would make a good product. Turn it into like an EPL. Mm. Yeah, I'm here. Like NPC, that, that's a big problem at the moment because you think, yeah, we always go back to it, but the old days when it was sold out, the best players were playing in the NPC. Now it's more used for a pathway to genuinely make a Super Rugby team. So you're not seeing the best players on offer, but on the flip side, it creates opportunity for the young players coming through. Look, I, I can see there's a lot of work there to be done and the provincial game, you know, it's di- it's dying. You can't even encourage players or fans to go along to those games where you think back to the old days, it was full. But then on the flip side, for Super Rugby, with South Africa going, that was horrendous. Like, that was a big dampener on the product. But then looking forward, and this is a question for you listeners out there, would a, a, a franchise or would a country like Japan, their inclusion in Super Rugby be enough? to encourage you along to these games, knowing that you don't even go watch Australia when they come over here. So would a team like Panasonic Wild Knights or the Suntory Goliath or the Toshiba Braves, knowing what they have, the product up north, would that be enough of an encouragement to allow you to come to these games? That's where we need to go. How do we evolve Super Rugby to get the fans back to the games? A big factor is they don't like watching Australia come over here because they know they're going to get pumped. So the competitive nature, would Japan rugby be competitive enough to come over and allow a product that could be encouraging? Yeah, I like that because I think, you know, those top uh, Japanese teams, you know, if you can, if one of those Japanese teams rocks up over here, mate, and they've got three former All Blacks, like Richie Mwanga's going up there, right? Mm. Adi Savi is going up there. If a team comes down here that's got those two in it and like, you know, two or three South Africans and a couple of Wallabies in it, maybe a Frenchman. You're like, well, all of a sudden, it's uh, that's an appealing prospect mm. because you know you're getting the best of the best. So uh, that's a really good point. Double eight, double three is the temper bed post text machine, or oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. And this just through from Tim. Now earlier, Ken, uh, who we all know and love, is a big Blues fan. He picked the Blues to win thirteen plus. Tim has texted through, tell Ken I'll put a $200 bottle of scotch on the fact he's wrong. Time to put your money where your mouth is, Ken. So there you go. That is from Tim, the Crusaders fan, calling you out on the text machine. We'll come back with more Battle of those. off, I love it. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Paulie Mawadi is going to join us real soon from the TAB, uh, and we're going to get the latest in news and sport from Araha right now, plus more of your texts before 9 o'clock as well, and calls on 0800 150 Right now, though, it's news with Kubota. Together, we're building and shaping New Zealand. Look at them yo-yos, that's the way you do it You play the guitar on the MTV That ain't working Oh. 
27 away from 9 on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. 0800 150 is our number, double eight double three. We're going to get to more of your texts and calls uh, before 9 o'clock right now, though. From the TAB, everybody's favourite, uh, Paulie Mawadi, the Paulie Mawadi party. Uh, <laughs> uh, come in, brother. Uh, uh, didn't go quite so well with your tip yesterday, but, you know, you can bet live on your favourite sports by downloading the TAB app today. Maybe follow Paulie into something today. What do you reckon? <laughs> Well, the anchor's back. <laughs> oh, that's like the pot calling the kettle black there, thank you, Lizzie. I've got nothing for you at Rickerton, uh, at the Rickerton Synthetic today. Look, they, they have backed the favourite in the first, but uh, fairly short, seventy already on uh, Russian rosette. But I'm, I'm not tipping you into anything at the Rickerton Synthetic because there, there's not a lot of... Um, action at the moment to push you one way or another. So I'll leave that up to you boys, but I will let you know about a couple of uh, big bets that uh, punters have had on the Super Rugby semi-finals. Uh, we've had a $6,000 multi on the Crusaders and the Chiefs to both win 1-12. to That's to return around 39000 And we've had a $4,000 multi on the Crusaders and the Brumbies to both win one to twelve, and that's returned forty six thousand. So, a couple of uh, significant goes there in the uh, winning team and margin books for both semi-finals. So, yep, there's and look, everyone's interested. There's quite a lot of action on that first semi-final, the Crusaders and the Blues. Uh, a bit more money on the Crusaders at the moment than the Blues, uh, but boy, oh boy, can the Crusaders do it with all the injuries they've had? If, if one person can tell us whether they can do it, it'll be Izzy, surely. <laughs> oh, look, the faith is always there, uh, Paulie. But uh, mate, there's some people out there that are that are that are confident. That are confident that the Crusaders. That's some big bets. That is some big bets, I must say, mate. What about yesterday? Over, at, over in Sandow Hillside, race five, there was two horses that race, and they're out of Brendan and Joe Lindsay's stable at Cambridge Stud. Well, it paid twenty nine dollars eighty, and the Quinella played two hundred bucks. Did anyone get on that? Let's have a little boat, Pete. Uh, Sandown race five, Passionia Versilia. Uh, oh yeah, don't worry about that. Yeah, not too many, um, but yeah, and I'm, I'm guessing, by the way, you're talking, it wasn't you either, but yeah. 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 It wasn't I, me, I, mate. It wasn't me. I'll tell you that. I'll be uh, tell- I wouldn't be here today if it was me. I'll 100% take the day off and, and enjoy my uh, riches, mate. But uh, well done. That was a hell of an effort. First time they've got a Quinella in their stable, so well done to Brendan and Joe Lindsay. What about the golf, Rick? Um, Paulie, anything in the golf? Where are the punters heading? For the US Open. Yeah. Well, they're sort of, I guess they're migrating towards the top of that market. Um, the best back golfer uh, so far is the favourite, Scotty Scheffler. He is currently $7 to win the US Open uh, this year. Uh, second best, uh, Brooks Kepka at $12. He's been very popular with punters, of course. He won the last major, the uh, PGA Championship. Uh, John Rahm and Victor Hovland also feature very prominently in most punters' uh, staking plans. Rams, the second favourite with us at $11. Victor Hovland uh, at $16. And let's not forget Ryan Fox, who's currently paying $151. 
to win the US Open. He is our worst result by far. Punters have been backing him in the outright winner book, in the top five finish, in the top 10, the top 20. So if he gets anywhere near towards the top of that leaderboard on the final day, um, we'll be writing a few checks to punters, that's for sure. <laughs> and of course, we've got a bonus back promotion on the US Open. Um, if your player doesn't win but finishes in the top 20, you'll get a bonus bet up to $50 uh, if you uh, take a bet in the uh, tournament winner book. Just check out the uh, TAV website for all the T's and C's there. Yeah, nice. All right, Paulie. Uh, and just uh, before we let you go, mate, Kevin from Titarangi likes to, likes, to, likes to give us the odd tip, and he's tipped this one in. It's at Flemington, race five on Saturday. Widamu Pin, who there's a lot of talk around, has been the next big thing in, in terms of a jockey, riding a horse called Kind Gesture for Michael Kent. It is It was 18s and 450. It's now into 16s. Uh, he's, he's all over that. What do you reckon? Yeah, <laughs> he must know a few people because there's a few people who are on a uh, kind gesture, as you say, out of the Michael Kent stable with uh, Billy Pin on board, and he of course gets that two kilo claim. Uh, so we'll be down to 52 kilos uh, in that race. So yeah, eighteen dollars into sixteen dollars, and if that trend continues, you probably want to jump on now because uh, you. Uh, I don't think you'll get sixteen dollars as we get closer to uh, uh, the race start on Saturday afternoon. Good stuff, Paulie. Thanks very much for coming on, brother, and uh, enjoy your Friday off, eh? Yeah, I will. And uh, yeah, go Colin Morikawa. I'm on. <laughs> Paulie's on board. Paulie's on board. Oh, that's right. That's uh, get on Morikawa now to miss the cut. That's what that does. Uh, watch and bet live <laughs> on your favourite sports and racing at tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly. Between now and nine, it's your calls. It is your text. Double eight double three. The Temper Bedpost text machine. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. Let's talk New Zealand rugby. Let's talk Super Rugby. What needs to be done? Because there is talk that New Zealand is falling out of love with rugby. What is your take? We'd love to hear from you. 0800 150 811. 21 away from 9. It's quarter to nine on SENZ, 0800-150-811-8833. This is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast and plenty of texts coming through around game day experiences around where New Zealand rugby and super rugby is at. Uh, uh, this one, uh, interesting. Hello, boys. The price is too high for a game that has got too very hard to watch. The game has got too many stoppages. When we were young, rugby was a simple game and good to watch. I don't think you need a lot of entertainment. When we used to go to games, it was also a chance to have a chat with your mates Give me the NRL any day. <laughs> yeah, and my dad's just walked in and he touched on it. Like, going to games is very expensive. Uh, the hospitality, when you've got to go line up for drinks and food and you're paying astronomical amounts of money to go and, and get this food and this tucker, you're missing the game. Plus the stoppages, there's no game. No, and you know, as, <laughs> and Matt, Matt from the Naki has texted through on double eight double three as well. To get people back to Super Rugby, things need to get cheaper. To take a family of four can be upwards of a couple of hundred bucks. Yeah, Matt, thanks very much for your text. Yeah, that seems to be uh, the the thing that seems to be resonating with a lot of people is is the cost of it, is he, uh, and and the value for money or lack of value for money. Yeah, that's that's a big part of it. That's the big ones I've took out of it is cost and entertainment. Like, what is the entertainment factor at the stadiums when you head there? Obviously, the rugby's there, but that is stop start. So you need to find other ways at the moment to encourage punters to go and pay money to watch it. And then on the other side, we spoke about it with Japan rugby. So why would Japan rugby sacrifice their competition that is thriving to come over here and be an inclusion in Super Rugby? And Pony painted a good 
point here. Boys, you make it sound like countries want to come and play in our super comp. What's the benefit of being pumped every week and having no crowds to watch? I'm assuming Japan is pretty happy in their own comp. Yeah, you're dead right. Why would they come over here and and be a part of Super Rugby and sacrifice what they're going on at, got going back in their own backyard? Like yep. the, the French-Japanese competition is thriving, Rick Dog. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing, you know, and I know there's a memorandum of understanding between the NZR and Japanese rugby now, and maybe that is a, a step mm. in the right direction because Brenton has said, you know, uh, we'd end up with another Sunwolves if we added a Japanese team. And I, I think... You're right, Brenton, and you know uh, I mentioned it a little while ago. I talked to Robbie Deans a couple of weeks back, and he said that the first time around with the Sun was they got it wrong because they talked to the Japanese rugby union rather than talking to the clubs because that's where the power lies. So mm. I, you know, I wonder whether or not uh, we need to look at some sort of system where you have uh, you talk to the you know, the Panasonics, the Toshibas, the Mitsubishi's, either get them to invest in New Zealand Super Rugby franchises or. You know, you bring four of those clubs in to Super Rugby to make it more competitive, even if it is, you know, like a, a champion, Champions League uh, sort of type setup. I mean, as Aaron has said on on double eight double three, mm. bringing the Japanese teams over would be great because half of them have got good Kiwis playing for them, and and that will be more of an attraction than watching average Wallabies. Well, that's been spoken about for years, that global comp- club competition. We want to see the Crusaders taking on the La Rochelles. That is something we'd love to see. But it's just too many voices, too many people in seats in the back room that are making these decisions that are blocking it and trying to find the time now where you think about the, that call earlier on, there's too much rugby from Bruce and Christchurch. The product is everywhere. And trying to allow space for those opportunities is, well, it's uh, impossible at the moment because there is no timings. But, mate, I'd love to see that. I would love to see a Crusaders or the Blues taking on Leinster or, or, or a Saracens up in the north. How good would that be? Yeah, that'd be that'd be great. And I guess it all comes down to where the money go because there's always that, you know, it's the All Blacks and the, and the <laughs> RFU, the right? Yeah. NZRU yeah. and the RFU always argue about it's why the All Blacks don't play England at Twickenham because they want some of the money and the, and the RFU don't give them, uh, won't give them any. Uh, Grant in Christchurch has said, uh, and this is a good point too, maybe a bit of a perfect storm at the moment. Uh, I think it's a bit of a double whammy. How average the ABs have been recently, and now you've got a Warriors team doing very well. P.S. I'm a Crusaders fan. I hope uh, Bodie has his aimless chip-kicking boots on tomorrow night. Um, <laughs> thanks, Grant. Hopefully, they've, hopefully Leon's got that out of him. But, I mean, that is another another good point. Well, we've had lots of texts about the NRL, but the NRL being a great comp has been a great comp for a long time. But the fact that the Warriors are now being competitive and getting 20000 a week and generating positive media stories, is he? Yeah, but they were getting twenty thousand when they weren't so competitive, you know. So, like that's that's the funny thing, and, and like you hear about that text that came through forty dollars each for a ticket. Mm. You know, they're not in, inflating the prices to allow uh, that room for when the crowds don't come. They just make that call early, and then they get it done. So, look, John from Auckland's caught us on the phone line oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. John, good morning. Yeah, good morning from a very chilly Auckland, actually. Five degrees, mate. <laughs> chilly for us. Five degrees. <laughs> oh, it ain't nothing, uh, anyway. mate. Those Aucklands will be cold tomorrow <laughs> night. But what do you got for us? Um, you know, when you were playing, Izzy, the game, we had mm. South Africa there, we had Japan there. And yeah. there's a lot of South African ex- experts in New Zealand. So they always made the game interesting. And you can see with the Fijian team, there's a lot of Fijians all over the world. They come in, they watch the game. With the Aussie teams, there's no real connection with their supporters in terms of abroad. 
um, mm-hmm. like the NRL teams. So we don't have, you know, when the Waratahs play the Blues in a big 45,000-seat stadium, there's, you know, 10,000 people there. And plus, the game day experience isn't that engaging. But in saying that, there is potential for this competition to grow. Uh, I mean, I love the NRL. I'm rugby league man, mm. first and foremost, but I love sport. And so I want to see the game day experience really expand for um, Super Rugby. I, I can remember because I've been going to the games, you know, me and you, Izzy, probably similar age since the 90s. Mm. Mm. And I can remember, um, you know, the great Joely Vendiri running down the sideline and there were 30,000 blue supporters there, mate, against the Crusaders with Justin Marshall and co were playing. And, and back then, they actually had afternoon games. Mm. Yeah, I think so. A lot John, of the John, didn't have lights. John, the question they want to throw to you there is: with the firepower and the players we have at our disposal, is that not enough? Do you feel like we're lacking in the superstardom kind of area when you roll oh, off those mate. names? Not, not in New Zealand, mate. Not in Aotearoa. You know, we we watch the best players in the world. Um, mm. What we are lacking is the experience. Obviously, if you go to an NRL game, they've got. Mate, they've got everything going for them. But in saying that, there's a lot of potential to move forward. But I, I like that concept you're talking about, Izzy. I want to see the Crusaders play La Rochelle. I want to see the, the Blues play um, Leinster. You know, I hope mm-hmm. that can happen because I know, I we all know that the Crusaders can beat those teams. Mate. We all know any New Zealand team can beat any team in the world. We just want to see that happen one day. I think the question really is, John, you know, you talked about being about the same age as Izzy and none of those games, is who had the better goosey in their prime? You were Izzy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, mate. John, John would have had it. Mate. (laughs) (laughs) You would have had it, John. We appreciate your call, mate. Passionate as always. Be like John and give us a call 0800 150 We're coming up to the end of our show. Rick Dog, have we got enough time to get through some more? Yeah, we do. Step it back to the NPC, lads. Player like Champions League across the Pacific. Can you imagine a Naki team loaded with three Barretts? Would be great to see. (laughs) That is so good. That is so good. Can you imagine how good Hawks Bay would be without all those players going to the South (laughs) Island, too? Oh, mate. That'd be amazing. Uh, the NRL competition is great. In COVID, when it was just New Zealand team, Super Rugby was awesome. Afternoon games and very close. International League is average. International is rugby is much better. That's a good balanced argument from Dave as well. Uh, somebody's piping in about Orange Theory Stadium, saying they did two tickets, uh, two for one tickets two weeks ago, 50 bucks for four adults, so that's not bad. Maybe the Crusaders are, are onto something there. Um, this one, price mm. is definitely a factor, but if the products and associated entertainment were there, I'd personally pay. Happily paid good money to go to NBA games in the States because you knew the game was going to be a high standard and there was something going on the court during downtime. We are paying too much for subpar product at the moment. That is from Tim. Thanks for your text, Tim. Double eight, double three, and we're feeling, getting a lot of that feeling come through, is he? Yeah, the costs, the entertainment factor, it's just, yeah, ringing out at the moment. And uh, everyone's pretty frustrated. So there's a lot of, like those afternoon games, man, they'll be so good. I'd love to take my kids to a game of rugby. But when it's 7 o'clock at night and it's frozen outside, I just can't. You know, you're throwing in sickness and and late nights, it just doesn't fit. And I know that's a broadcasting thing and and a problem there, but you've got to find a way to make it more um, easily affordable and easily uh, you know, an option to go and, 
and attend these games because yeah. the timing factor plays a big part. Giving people a reason to go along. That is uh, that is what we want to see. No doubt Smithy is going to pick this topic up as well uh, and he is going to be with us next here on Izzy and Kempe for breakfast at 6 to 9.